step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome to One Mic, and tonight we'll be talking about Shaq's mama laid it down for everybody. It's going to get crazy. KD, Hurt, what are the Warriors going through? Uh, we're going to be hitting on, uh, you know, there's some changes in the baseball. So we have a special edition of Inside the Park tonight. I'll even join Hank tonight. We got a show full of everything. We're going to leave nothing else on the, on, on, on the meat, uh, nothing on there but the bone for you to chop on uh, because we're going to try and slay it all tonight on RSG One Mic. This thing right here is for my people's in the streets. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. Here we There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as the man sounds like he just coughs up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something, and then at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> Devon Brooks. Yes, 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 today. Lost Hope Radio. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff. Lost, lost. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, yes, today we start this show, this one mic. Welcome to RSG, one mic. And uh, all hosts and all callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com. Connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and the Carbon World Health staff. Get the full Carbon Carbon World Health experience. Tell them that the Real Sports Guy sent you Yes, we got a lot going on tonight, but before we get into our show, uh, I'd like to bring my partner in crime and on the air uh, uh, to the to the mic, uh, my guy Hank. What's up, Hank? How you doing today? Hey, what's going on, D? It's always good to hear your voice, man. You know, we are now, it is officially March, which means this is officially March Madness, and you know, it, the sports world really starts getting crazy from this point going forward. It's a great time of the year. There's a lot going on. There's a lot that's getting started. And, you know, I'm ready to, to, to strap it on and get it going. I, I know you are, man. And uh, uh, we're going to get a rhythm. And uh, for the listeners, uh, if you always want to follow us, uh, you can uh, follow us uh, on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter. 
just go to realsportsguys.com, click on the social media uh, uh, space where you like to connect with us, and, um, and uh, we'd love to continue the dialogue beyond the night. And also we'll be having uh, our guys from the big show. We'll be hitting it, hitting again, another podcast coming up here in the next few days. So uh, we got a lot coming to you. But tonight, like we said, we're going to try to leave nothing but the bone tonight. Uh, as you said, there's a lot going on. And uh, in our first segment, we go, if you listen to us, we kind of like uh, opening the mic. Uh, in our first segment, you know, we're going to try and look in the rear view mirror a little bit. You know, it's, it's been a little while uh, since we hit you with some stuff, and things have just kind of bubbled up. And I know people have been on Twitter hitting this up, but y'all haven't heard our perspective on some of this stuff. And so I'm going to hit a couple items. Hank and I are going to go back and forth on some of these things that just happened recently and uh, kind of, you know, flush them out a little bit. And so obviously, you know, uh, the big talk here in, in the recent weeks is, you know, Kevin Durant going down and what the impact will be in the short term on the Golden State Warriors um, and uh, how they're going to play. Uh, they're 0-2. Uh, the Splash Brothers haven't had much flash in these previous games. Uh, they got the Knicks today. Uh, Hank, when you when you when you saw the KD went down, and then seeing what the the Cavs have done in terms of the additions that they made um, uh, to their squad, what were your first thoughts when uh, when Kevin Durant went down? Well, it, again, I think the, the the first concern was the the uh, the uh, the extent of his injury. How bad was his injury? Was he going to be able to come back for the playoffs? Is it something that he could uh, rest? Uh, let's face it, uh, without Kevin Durant, uh, it, it's a foregone conclusion, in my opinion, that they will be lucky to get out the West, all right, especially with San Antonio being San Antonio this year. I mean, they're, they're playing out of their minds. Um, so they're going to need him, not necessarily for the rest of the regular season, so my concern was they was they, they seemed like they were starting to get a roll. Without Kevin without Kevin Durant, this is basically the same team last year. All right, uh, that made it to the finals. There's 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 nothing there that and with him, still you know there's you you still you're still a toss up in my opinion. I don't necessarily buy into the narrative that they're the best team in the West with him, but without him, they're going to struggle to get out the West. So. My biggest, when I first heard about it, it's like, okay, what do you do to get through the rest of the regular season? Will he be able to come back for the playoffs? Because let's face it, D, that's all that really matters right now. Wherever, you know, they're not going to seed eighth, you know. So if they're, if they're going to be one of the top two seeds, uh, that's fine. Then it's, then, it's, then it's a non-factor. But, but given the fact that if he can't come back and he cannot play, uh, where he's at, and I and 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 it's I don't have the, the the data in front of me how long his injury is supposed to be, uh, but if he gets to if he but if he can get to the playoffs relatively healthy, then they'll be just fine. But again, I think yeah, if anybody's it, watching, if he's if he's out for the year, that's a problem. Yeah, and they said they're really evaluating hyperesthetic knee. Uh, he had bone on bone, and I'm gonna tell you, someone who uh, recently had bone on bone had bone on bone last year when when you're missing cartilage and it's bone on bone. Uh, I, I've had a lot of pain. I've played football. That, that is, it, it, I'm telling you, it, it will it will put you down um, in ways yeah. that uh, you wouldn't expect. And um, so he's going to be reevaluated. And one of the things I, I've kind of challenged people about, this is not really the same team in a sense without Kevin. One of the reasons is like they're missing a lot of key role players. And, you know, I think, you know, LeBron, I think does a really good job of highlighting this for people. Like everybody thinks about the stars, 
But championships are won with really good role players who understand their role. And they lost guys like, you know, Barnes, Spate, uh, uh, Azili, um, uh, you know, uh, Bogut, guys who right. knew their role, knew when they were coming in, and rotations matter as you get into the playoffs. You know, right now they got new pieces, but none of those pieces really have gotten comfortable enough to understand where they are. And then when you have this kind of big change, some of those guys are playing more minutes than they're expected to play. And so I think if they don't have them, part of the problem is, you know, guys like Spades gave you like five, seven minutes of important basketball at key points in games that uh, people go, you know, people don't notice. Or, or, or uh, Azili gives you something, he gives you ten minutes of key. They know when to assert themselves. Um, and when not to. And there's a comfort on the floor that they don't quite have with some of these role players that they have now. And one of the things that KD did, and I think has been highlighted with this, is that his help on the defensive end, his length, the shot uh, blocking shots, things that mm-hmm. weren't as um, evident when he played at OKC because they had some size in the middle. He's been covering up a lot on defense in a way that some of those other guys, uh, you know, even when Barnes was in scoring, Barnes was playing defense. You know, people got on Barnes' offense, but, you know, where Barnes helped him was rebounding, defense, getting a – even when he wasn't scoring, he he understood how to be active. And so I, I think some of those things, as you said, will make them vulnerable if they don't have KD because these guys don't have enough time to uh, get into their role. You know, um, no, they don't they have don't. enough time to kind of to, – to do what they need to do to understand how to play in those key moments. Um, see, so I think thing, that's going to be our challenge. Yeah, because that was the thing that you know that was the big the big storyline of the last off season was KD going to Golden State, but you, what they did not truly address what really got them beat against Cleveland, and that was just a lack of that interior game. Okay, KD him, he right. himself like go to the hole, but again you got to have the splat. Again, if you look at him play the last couple of games, it's it's the same team, D. It's the same team. You don't have yeah. any threat of any sort of inter, interior defense. Okay, like you said, with his length, he was able to get in there, block shots, at least take away some of the lane. Without that, this is the same basketball team. And if he comes back, you know, I just have got to look at the standings. This team, just given the way the West is, is shaping up right now, will be a one or two seed, okay? So just with that mm-hmm. being said and with the team from last year, that gets them to at least the Western Conference Finals, right? But if you're saying that you're trying mm-hmm. to set this team up to take out the Cleveland Cavaliers, who made an acquisition themselves and already was playing in the paint on you, okay, there mm-hmm. was no guarantee you was going to beat that team anyway. See, so, you know, he's got to at least, in my opinion, be 95% when he comes back. And as you said, that's a very painful injury. But uh, whatever sort of rehab they can get for him, you know, unless he's got some sort of ligament damage or or, or something like that, or uh, problems with swelling, you know, he's going to have to be at least ninety five percent. If now, granted, last year they went up three to one, but they're going to have to do something. He's going to have to be that extra piece, that X factor, or it's just another waste of season, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I, and, I, and you're right. I mean, I think you know, um, you know, they're just now finding. You see. Even in these games, now that he's not there, you know, um, you know, Curry and Thompson are trying to find a rhythm. Um, it, it, you know, it affected, um, you know, Draymond because now Draymond likes to figure out how to assert himself a little bit more, uh, particularly in that transition game, getting the ball off the glass and getting back to some of the things. And so, uh, you know, we, we'll see how that goes. We're going to watch this thing as we start to move uh, closer to the playoffs and, and, and see what the impact and ripple effect. Um, 
can happen. And then you, you know you had Cleveland picking up uh, Darren uh, 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 Williams, uh, which I, I think is uh, an important pickup because here's a guy who can who can play big minutes when you need to. Uh, folks question mm-hmm. his defense. I know I was going back and forth with uh, Phil and uh, Marcus on there, but I said you know there there are veteran players when they know they're close to the title. You're going to see a different type of defense. You know, it's kind of right. ironic. Uh, he goes from Dallas to Cleveland, kind of like Mark Aguirre did the Pistons. And, and one of the things that people were like, well, is, is Aguirre going to play defense or whatever? And you saw uh, an Aguirre in Detroit that you did not see in Dallas. And there's something that's different when you're playing on a championship team. And I think uh, uh, you'll see something different with him in that space. He's kind of been a purgatory for a few years. You know, ever since he made that decision to leave Utah, his career, you know, they had some nice years in New Jersey, but it wasn't what it was supposed to be coming out of Utah. And I think now he has an opportunity to be on that stage. And he can make, he's a big shot maker uh, uh, that I think. And then you can add Bogut, you know, to fill that middle like they wanted to. And he's a great passer um, uh, along with Culver. Uh, with Culver. I think they, uh, they got a lot of uh, good pieces there for LeBron to kind of help position throughout the playoffs. And, and they got enough time for people to figure out the role. So you see that kind of bubbling up. In the East. Well, you know what? You make a valid point on all, all your points is valid. Valid. I want to just kind of add to that, and that is the fact that what you was talking about when you have veteran players and when they get to the playoff level. See, what happens is you look at Williams when he was in um, when he was at Dallas, and again when he was at Utah. Okay, he had a specific role to play. That role changes dramatically when you go into a team of championship caliber like you are with Cleveland, and Cleveland knows that they, they can look over in the in the West. Right, and they can say, okay, what teams that come out the West do we have to have to prepare for? If it's a Golden State, they pretty much have have got them solved. If we play in the paint, if we play, you know, keep them on the on the perimeter, we can take them out because they're not going to beat us down in the paint. Now, the team, if you ask me, that would, would that would give them fits that would to come out the West, that would be San Antonio. So what they did was with a bogey with the Williams, we did get somebody got get some bodies down in there to be able to bang with you because that's the only team that kind of play that Eastern style of, of wanting to get yeah. down in, in in a hole and play. So those are very 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 uh, brilliant moves in my opinion that Cleveland made because you know you're going to try to dribble and, and get into the hole with a LeBron with a, with a Kyrie. You know they're going to do those things, but you know what? If, you, if, if it gets down to the last three, four minutes of a ball game, we can go inside of you and put games away. I thought that was a brilliant move. I thought those were brilliant acquisitions. And, and you're going to see them come to fruition. As you said, you've got plenty of time to get these, these players acclimated to the role. Bogut, not so much that he played that role with Golden State. But uh, um, you're going to see that with, with Williams, and you're going to see where, in my opinion, I think they, they probably just locked up a second championship. Yeah, I'm, I just, I'm looking forward to see how this stuff plays out in uh, in the playoffs. And then uh, uh, on the football side, you know, everybody has a debate about, you know, uh, what the Patriots are going to do with Garoppolo, um, you know, which team should go after him, whether or not he was the right person to get. You know, we had the run of these, you know, backup quarterbacks who people invested in and uh, they didn't pan out. Um, and we had a, a number of examples of that. Um, and and a lot of talk. And I had always felt that the Patriots weren't going to let him go. In fact, I think strategically uh, the Patriots kind of let this talk go for a while because teams were building their strategies around whether or not he was going to hit the market. That meant they weren't 
really working on other strategies as often and as much. Um, and so I thought this was as much a ploy by Belichick and them to kind of hold this out there for a while to kind of disrupt this stuff a little bit. Um, and then, you know, they made a the decision to, to hold on to him, you know, because you, you got to have a solid black backup. you got to, you know, you got a 40-year-old, 40-plus-year-old quarterback who's Hall of Famer, but you never know when that, that, that light's going dimmer. And so uh, he comes off the market. But there's a lot of talk just about him and how to evaluate him. Um, he had a number of starts, and uh, I'm always reluctant. You know, I'm big reluctant on, on, um, on, on, on these kind of scenarios because the NFL has gone away from what I talk, what I call a, a developmental philosophy with quarterbacks. You know, uh, it, it, for much of the time, I think Hank and I watch football. Um, you know, it, it, you'd have to be microwave with quarterbacks. They'd have to be instantly ready. You could let them develop and grow, um, and, and you, you produce, like, even folks like uh, Jim Plunkett, who, you know, kind of started off slow in a career, got to a place like the Raiders, and then just found his stride. You know, we don't give players enough time to kind of do that. And so, when you take someone like a Garoppolo on, you know, people are, those fans are immediately looking for results, not understanding that he's changing systems, coaches, everything that's familiar to him. He's going to need time to, 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 to make that change. And so, you know, uh, you know, the Patriots probably did the right thing holding on to him. Um, and, uh, you know, and Belichick holds on to no one, you know, he's, he's notorious for letting folks go. But, uh, you know, I, I thought that, it was brilliant that they even held it out there that long because so many teams were trying to what they were doing around it, which meant they weren't trying to plan for other things they could do. And a lot of Patriots to set the table the way they wanted to. What do you think about the Patriots holding on to uh, Garoppolo? Okay, do you remember a quarterback named Matt Castle? <laughs> I remember just like that. You remember Another Matt example. Castle? <laughs> Okay, Matt yes. Castle, and for those who don't know who Matt Castle is, the one year in the Tom Brady era that the New England Patriots did not make the playoffs. They won 10 ball games that year. That was the year where Tom Brady blew out his knee. The NFL changed the rule about going low on quarterbacks. During that year, a quarterback, the backup quarterback for the New England Patriots was a young man by the name of Matt Castle. Matt Castle, doing in, in the Patriots system, went on and parlayed a 10-win season into a multi-year contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt Castle no longer developed because now he had to be the starter for a team with all this money. He ended up being a major bust, okay? What happened was he was never heard from again. He got his paper, but he was never heard from again. So what the New England Patriots did at that point was they kind of fooled around with some other quarterbacks that could be back, that could back up this Hall of Famer. Uh, they 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 settled on Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo did a fine job till he got injured. They brought in another quarterback, but again, the Patriots' way works. I think it's a good move because what uh, now. You, you know that uh, Tom Brady was going to be your quarterback several years ago when Matt Castle was there. Tom Brady now doesn't have anything to prove to anybody in the NFL, okay? The Patriots is being very proactive here. They see what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo. They see what they can do to keep this young man, to, to groom him to be the next quarterback of the Patriots. In the event that Tom Brady says, okay, you know what? Uh, I don't have to do this anymore, all right? Uh, I, I, I've proven who I am and I'm going to ride off into the sunset. I'm 40 years old. 
You know, I want to give it one more one more shot. And 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 to me, the this also kind of speaks of Tom Brady. And, and like I said, this is all speculative, but just think about it a minute. Tom Brady saying, you know, next year is going to be my last rodeo. So uh, I'm going to let y'all know you don't need to sign me to no multi-year nothing. I have it, but next year just might be it, okay? Because I don't care how competitive you are. Once you've gotten to the mountaintop, all right, you 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 know, how many more times you want to do it? It's like you keep winning at PlayStation, right? The same game. Mm-hmm. You're going to start wanting to play something else. It becomes it's not as competitive for you. Not saying that he's not a competitor, but he's done it, all right? So all he's doing right now is piling on. So I can see the Patriots said, okay, we're going to be proactive in this role. We're going to start grooming this young man for the next season and going forward without you. I think it's a brilliant move. They've, they've already invested the time in him. They've already invested the money in him, in the efforts. Why let another team, you know, uh, reap that benefit? So I think it's a good move. Yeah, I think it was a good move um, for them to to, 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 to do it. Um, you know, they have a bridge situation. He knows the system. Um and then you work, you work, you know, you figure out what you're going to do after next year. If you go to free agency, you know, um, you know, I'm sure Belichick probably has a plan B um, for figuring this stuff out. So uh, we'll be following that as we get closer to the draft and um, free agency is coming around up here, and um, and uh, there's going to be a lot of moving parts here, and this stuff will start to settle a little bit. Uh, we don't have. Uh, you know, a quarterback in the draft that people view as a top ten quarterback, and uh, you know, as we get close to that draft, we'll probably we spend a little bit more time in in that. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the draft later on in the show. Um, this whole idea of the combine, uh, but Garoppolo was the <clears throat> the person that everybody wants to talk to talk about. My Steelers make Antonio Facebook Live Brown the highest paid wide receiver. First of all, did you see that? That that jacket he was wearing, <laughs> like he didn't learn his lesson. I love it very oh, well, but my goodness, in his wardrobe stuff, you know, I wasn't quite sure if he was he was on his way to church to pray for the money he was about to get, or you know or what, what I'm saying. But, but <laughs> I look here, he, he, what, either he lost it or he won one with that coat. I could not figure it out. I like my eyes. Was, I was trying to focus in. I was trying to listen to what he was saying, but focusing on that jacket, he was just distracted. I was like, uh, but you can tell he's trying to find his humbleness. He's trying to, you know, and for the Steelers to invest in you, they got to have confidence you're going to deliver. Uh, obviously, he's done everything he needs to do, you know, on the field. You know, they want to have, they want to see him take a little bit more leadership ability. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm a Steelers fan, but were you surprised they were this quick? You the Steelers will let you wait a little bit, but you surprised that they put the money in after, you know, how the season ended? Look, there's some out there, D, that has said that uh, Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in the league, okay? Um, you, um, you, you know, Julio Jones gets a lot, gets a lot of prep out there. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. gets a lot of prep out there, rep out there. But they said there's some that said this young man is the best receiver of, of the group. You're gonna, you, if you're gonna make a a push, all right. Uh, Le'Veon Bell has not proven that he can stay healthy all year. Okay, when they needed him the most, he blew out his hammy. Okay, you've got you a proven commodity. You've got another proven commodity with 
of Big Ben. You go get that. You, you, you sign that player. You don't fool around, okay? The Steelers is one of these teams that's in the next level, okay? Or they're, they're like, okay, the next tier, if you will. They're, they're, if in the event that you have uh, New England fall, then there's the Steelers ready to take over, okay? So I'm not surprised by that. You know, the numbers are the numbers. It is what it is when it comes to the NFL. But you keep your own and you give it another push. I'm not really overly surprised at the wide receiver position. Being in Detroit, yeah, I would be a little bit leery as what do we pay wide receivers around here, okay? Uh, but then again, we can question what was going on with the quarterback position. But you've got a proven quarterback with Ben, with, with ben Roethlisberger, okay? You've got to keep his weapons around him, okay, if you're, if you're trying to win a championship. So uh, I'm not surprised with that. Uh, that's a, that's a that's a good combination for at least the next couple of years, provided that Ben don't just call it quits. And I know he's kind of had rumblings about uh, retiring after this year, but you know I'm not surprised by that at all. And, and you know we 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 can we can talk numbers all, but you, but I don't think those are going to be the most uh, outrageous numbers that we see now that the salary cap has gone up. Yeah, and, and you know he's he's got like 50 touchdowns, um, you know through his. Uh, his career, um, and, uh, you know, he's definitely, um, uh, you know, um, done what he needs to do to, um, uh, you know, make things happen. And, you know, I think part of it is for him is um, continuing to um, uh, be, um, you know, the kind of leader that you want him to be. Um, You know, I think that, um, you know, that's the next step for him to step up on a consistent basis, but, you know, like everybody says, I think folks um, know that, um, uh, you know, that, that he's going to put the time in, he's going to be ready to play. Um, and, and when you got a guy who can stretch the field, you know, you can't, you can't beat it. You know, when you got a guy exactly. who can, um, you, you know, force you to try to cover over the top, that means you, when you got a running back like Le'Veon Bell, that might be one less guy in the box. Um, you put a lot of pressure on it. Um, he's been a lot of stuff to um, uh, work on. Um, and so uh, I'm really uh, um, uh, uh, excited about um, uh, kind of what, um, uh, what what's going to happen in that situation. You know, part of it is, you know, the maturity. I think what they want him to do is be more of a leader. Um, mm-hmm. Enough of that. Lonzo Ball. <laughs> who is, you know, the phenom at UCLA. Boy, 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 from Chino Hill, public school, all in the whole family. You know, they're on YouTube, younger brother hitting uh, 92. Fathers is coming out clowning on the air. But he, I watched him yesterday. As, uh, they interviewed him at the uh, Washington uh, State game. And, um, you know, he was he was talking all kinds. Of, they tried to pay him a compliment. I guess he did one year at Washington State himself. Uh, 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 I think uh, 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 I who it was that was a uh, uh, coach over there. I think it was former Oklahoma coach was there, um, and uh, he, he was like, "I left because he didn't play fast enough." I mean, just got his own little brand shirt on. Man, what do you make of that situation? Pops wants to want to make sure he go to the Lakers. Talking about his son, already Steph Curry. 
Kid can play. Kid knows basketball. I think he's going to be a phenomenal NBA player. He's perfect for the yeah. game now. But is, is, is Papa getting in the way? Let me tell you something. These things always kind of scare me because Pop has already said that he needs to play with a vintage team. Okay? So what does he consider? He considers a vintage team your Boston's, uh, your L.A.'s. And he, of course he wants to play with the Lakers. He wants them to stay at home. Okay, right up the street, so he can watch it. But I guess, but but New York is a vintage team. But I wouldn't want my son to go play with the with the Knicks. That dumpster fire they got out there, you know. Uh, Philly, you could call us a vintage team. All right, there's a lot of vintage teams in the, in the in the NBA. He wants him, but this this what happens sometimes. All right, that kid is is an is an outstanding player. Okay, and he and he clowned in the Washington State game. I watched, I, you know, I, I I got a chance to preview it, but I will say this: don't cost your son some money before he gets a chance to make it, you know, pops, and, and start making demands. All right, the one thing we know about the NBA, the they 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 look good. We've seen a lot of players come out that first year, freshmen. Okay, and the NBA is a different animal. Okay, you can clown on some small sophomore at Washington State, but you may not be able to do that against a power forward at Golden State, you know. Uh, so you have to be careful with that. You know, I, I I get the idea of pubbing your kid, okay, and, but but you're saying stuff like, or, or you're leaving inferences out there like this is his last game here, you know, in, in this stadium, and this this is this, that, we going pro, and this, that, the other thing. I don't know if the kid is LeBron James like, you know. When LeBron James came out, you know, he he had more hype going on to the point where folks was 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 wishing for his demise because the hype machine was so high. So, you know, he's bad, but I want to see how he does in the tournament. I want to see, you know, how because see the rest of the nation don't know that much about Lonzo Ball, okay? Because he plays on the West Coast. You you got that East Coast bias going on. You know, when he out there balling, half of, half of the East Coast in bed, or they'd have gone doing something else. So, you know, the nation gets got to see this kid. You know, unless you unless you just watching all the time like you and I, you're not watching this kid. So, how good is he really? How good is the is is, is the Pac-12 this year that that he's really clowning on somebody? So, you know, the nation needs to see him. Dad needs to shut up at least, in my opinion. He, I know he ain't going to. It's too late. Until, you know, the nation can see this kid, see what he's really all about. You know, you already make an NBA demand and the tournament ain't started yet. Really? For real? You know, you get clowned on somebody from Villanova or <laughs> or Gonzaga, yeah. then you got to shut up. Now his draft stock done gone down. <laughs> I mean, this cat, boy, he goes in. And it's like, Every time I open his mouth, I feel like I close my eyes and we in the barbershop. It's the kind of conversation you have in the barbershop. It'd be like yeah. down at Dennis' barbershop, and we just be in there talking loud and just – and I resonate with it. Like, on one hand, I can appreciate it. I, I appreciate him also understanding they can earn, own, own their brand. I, I appreciate a father. You know, that's part of what I try to push a lot of, uh, you know, parents understanding the power that they have in it. So, on that side, I love it. I love it to death, and then, but I'm just like, maybe part of it is, you know, the barbershop. We can understand it. You know, most of the white folks that shoot, they have a problem. <laughs> you know, this brother like six, six two 
seventy, you know, clown it it's just the no man. And it's like, oh, uh, you you hit them you hit them with some you know, they they think you're about to create death row records. You know, and so right. it, it's uh it's something something that just throws me off. And so one end I just love it. Uh, his kids seem to like they don't they, you know it's pops they they seem to be cool they don't let it bother them they just keep going and do what they do um, I don't know how mama feels I haven't heard that but I love you know it's not like, you know in those situations usually when mama say something I think he might settle down but uh, it seems like the kids uh, just kind of keep playing through it they don't let it bother them um, you know but it's it's uh, interesting and then if you know if you if you Steve Alford like you got this pipeline because he it seems like he committed to a pipeline. He like they all going to Chino. They like they all going to go to UCLA. If you Steve Alford, you happy, you know. Yeah. You you happy. If you Calipari, you like you the kids who normally come play with me. Now UCLA eating them up on the West. And what does that do for just some of these West Coast kids staying home? So it's got an interesting even the uh, the, the 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 byproduct or the offshoot of what happens because he's doing this and what value it brings back to UCLA with these kids staying home and, and maybe encouraging other kids to come to UCLA. So. Uh, it's it's been off the cuff, but we we gonna watch that one as it goes. Now this one right here, I know it's gonna hurt too. I saw it, so I turned the game. I turned ESPN on. I think it was ESPN on. Yep, turned it on. And uh, Northwest against Michigan. Michigan's up. You know, uh, both of us uh, from Ann <laughs> both of us grew up in blue. Uh, and I'm like, okay, look like Michigan gonna win. You know, Northwest is having this great season, trying to go to the tournament for the first time basically turn it on right before the out-of-bounds play and then see the play, and I could not believe what I saw. And uh, last, long baseball pass, most of you probably already seen it, and then they score and basically deal the deal for Northwestern for the first time, uh, one of the only power, uh, power five teams who have never been to the NCAA tournament um, to finally basically seal it. I mean, by all – Case you know, it looks like they're in. Um, did you get a chance to see that? You know, I saw it. And you know what you put it on the on the on the rundown for. You know, you, you know, you, you know. It just, I just, I just, you know, it pains me to talk about. I watched that last five minutes of that ball game. I was so frustrated. I didn't know what to do. Michigan had the basketball with about three seconds left in the game. Five seconds left in the game. They don't call a timeout. They got three timeouts. You brought it up, so I'm going to tell you what I saw. I'm going I'm to vent right here, so y'all just going to wait a minute. All right? Three seconds left in the doggone game. They come up. Don't call timeout. Okay? Conventional wisdom tells you call timeout, set up for the last play. If you don't get the shot, we go to overtime. It's all good. Zach Irvin runs the ball up the, far, the, 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 up the court, chucks up this ridiculous three. Okay? Goes out of bounds. Okay, and so then it sets up the play we all see. Then you got your smallest man, your point guard, guarding a six eight, six nine power forward center. So he just catches the ball over Walton's head and lays it in. I must have replayed that that play four times, praying to God that the time had ran out for that shot went in there. He still had point two seconds left. I was sick about it. Absolutely sick about it, okay? Because, again, you know, for me, watching this game, is like, can you do something on the road that makes sense, that teams do to win games down the stretch so that you can set up stuff? But with all that being said, you know, I'm, I'm, I am happy for Northwestern. 
You know, if I'm a Northwestern uh, alum, if I'm a Northwest a kid going to Northwestern, this is the fun time of basketball season, March. Okay, there is no worse feeling in the world than to have March Madness, to have the tournament, and you ain't nowhere to be seen. You ain't, you ain't got the winning. You ain't, this is one of those tournaments where, you know, you want to win, but you pretty much know that you won't win because there are just teams better than you. But you never know if you never get there. And I can't imagine never playing in the NCAA tournament, being a power five school. So for that coaching staff, for those kids, I think they was going to make it this year anyway, D. You know, I just wish it wouldn't have been at the expense of the amazing blue. All right? And we got a lot of work to do on our side, too. It's just some things that, that, that this coaching staff and this team do at, 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 the, at the end parts of ball games just grinds me as a big fella. It drives me crazy. But that's another show for another time. But still, I am happy for that program. I'm happy for the Big Ten to get another team in there probably. Uh, how far they go is anybody's guess, but you, you never know how far you're going to go unless you get there. So, yeah, for that, I think it was a good story. One thing I can't stand, though, I hate – why is it that every time Michigan gets their heart ripped out on one of these last second down plays, that they show it on every sports media station time and time and time again. Everybody in Ann Arbor got to go into therapy because they just keep on showing. We all got post-traumatic stress disorder on all this stuff. They're still showing the Michigan State game from two years ago. It drives me crazy. Man, the funny thing about it, it sounds even worse when you describe it. You described it with such clarity in the part where you got to the point, like, they took their shortest person on a sick, 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 sick. I'm watching this whole thing. What the hell are you doing? (laughs) Unbelievable. Oh, my goodness. The bars in Ann Arbor stay full. They will never lose any business. When we got this kind of stuff going on, because they're just not, that's the only place everybody can congregate to get this off their head just to make it through the next day. <laughs> Craziness. And they play Nebraska oh, tonight. Oh, my goodness. Okay, mm. if that game goes foul, you will see an uptick in all the drinking establishments in Ann Arbor that will rival St. Patrick's Day. I'm telling you. <laughs> I tell you, you got it here. I told you we're gonna leave nothing but bone tonight, man. Y'all know this is this is what it's all about. You listen to RSG One Mike uh, with myself, Hank uh, Devon Wilson, and Hank Davis uh, representing on this RSG platform. As I said, also uh, check us out on realsportsguys.com. You can click and uh, hit get to our social media, uh, as well as uh, you can listen to us on iTunes. Subscribe to us there. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, let us know how things are going. We'd love to have some reviews, hopefully get a five or two. Um, but uh, please let us know. We're going to continue to, to drive forward. You know, we like the resistance with the underground. Um, we got some great announcements coming up this week that I'm going to be involved in, so stay tuned. A uh, lot of stuff going on, but Hank just dropped it a little bit. We're in our opening mic segment. Um, and, and closing our opening mic segment, we do a little sub-segment called what is beef? You know, we've been doing this in, a, in some of our uh, previous One Mic uh, podcasts uh, where there's some tension, some stuff going on out there, some, 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 some head-to-head, some subliminals, some, you know, some, some Remy Ma-type drop uh, 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 the song that, that, that breaks your heart. I don't know if you heard that Remy Ma just came out of Nicki Minaj and 
pretty much trolled her with the Sitra, Sitra, whatever, Sitra, Sitra. Uh, she killed her with the Sitra or whatever she called it, uh, uh, dropped it on. So beef is happening all over sports, and, like, we like to highlight those. So the first one we're going to hit is honestly, you know, this whole thing about Shaq on Jamel McGee and, 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 and Mama O'Neal just basically set that down. <laughs> you know, everybody was trying to figure out how this thing was going to end, and I had a feeling Mama. once Mama spoke, it was going to be, that's going to be it. She kind of like the mother of the NBA. Uh, along with Kevin Durant's mother, it's just kind of like it's done. <laughs> Whatever is supposed to be happening out there is done, and, and, and it was done. But uh, Shaq was riding. He like Shaq, but Shaq rode Otto Porter, a whole bunch of other people uh, who kind of uh, go, but, you know, uh, I'm all for um you know, having a little fun, but there was a point where you were like, "Wow, this is this is kind of getting to the end." This kind of this joke was kind of running out a little bit. Um, then you got the Warriors calling TNT uh, to uh, Turner to to uh, you know uh, have somebody uh, deal with this. What did you make about all this stuff about what was happening with Shaq? You seeing a lot of tension between you know NBA has done a really good job with some of the legends and connecting them to the current players, but this is kind of this middle group. There's a group in here where there's been some tension in recent weeks, but uh, as it relates to the Shaq thing, what, what was your observation? Well, you know, the thing is, I had to I had to look at that a little bit, but, you know, that's why he calls it Shaq and a fool. Okay? Yeah. The thing about Keel O'Neal is, he, he, he's a clown. Okay? Now, D, you and I can relate to this, okay? For some of you young heads out there, it, it, it's this thing that we do we call scolding. I don't know what y'all call it today. Yes. But that was basically you, you spent the whole afternoon and a part of the next week talking about your boy like a dog, okay? That's and right. And it can get pretty, get pretty rough, you know. Now, the whole idea was supposed to be in fun to try to get the best laugh. But, see, we live in such a sensitive society today, you can't say nothing, all right? And it gets to the point where, you know, feelings start getting hurt because folks know things about you that you probably didn't want to know. But if you look here, but but if you can't dish if you if you can't take it then don't dish it out. That's the way I feel about sure. it. All right. Now Mama had to come in and tell her to leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> you know. Now, now now that sounds like to me, D. That sounds like a couple of fellas, little, you know, just above the twenty year old age. You get away from him. You tell him you sorry. I'm sorry. What you gonna say? I'm sorry. Now y'all play nice together. Okay. My mama said I can't talk to you no more. What kind of crazy foolishness is this? You talking about guys that's making money that we will never see in three lifetimes, and your mama has got to come and tell you to act like you got good sense? The, the, the Shaquille O'Neal Corporation? Are you kidding me? Come on. This is the most ridiculous foolishness I ever heard in my life. Then you put the stuff on TV, and now you got whole... Organizations call the TV station. Make him act like he got good sense. For real? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, you ask me what I think about this. I think this is the craziest foolish I've ever heard in my life. And then it's on TV. Shaquille O'Neal's mama had to tell Shaquille O'Neal to leave the bell. Leave him alone. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, they come on, man. Bring it. You know, we should be we will be sitting back here with if this was you and me and a couple of cats around the corner, we'd have a whole neighborhood with popcorn cracking up. 
But now you got up, people suing. You, you can't come on, dude. What are we talking about here? Uh, I do. I do. We almost at the phone, and we just halfway through this thing. I do hate I got, We got that bite marks on the phone. <laughs> it, it is. And just what you said, I was like, because Shaquille comes from that the age that we come from, where scolding or, or whatever you're doing, uh, trying to, that's like the giving. He also comes out of hip-hop where you, that, that was also an element of that, going back and forth. So for him, you know, that's where he got to cross that generational boundary. These young cats ain't really trying to do that. They you know, you hear some of these mumbling rappers and how they talk about beef. They, like, they, they ain't really into this. They into subliminal stuff. They ain't just going head to head. So, you know, he crossed into a space that these young cats can't, can't handle. And so Shaquille just thought, you know, I'm going to go harder in the way we would do it in a barbershop. And so I could see where he was summer from. You know, and, and, and saying that as a way of just kind of toughen up. Come on. Your response should be you just play better, right, or you yeah. come back with something. And so uh, it, it, you're right, man, and when mama got to come in. Now, that ain't even the worst thing that's happened recently. <laughs> so, so so that was that, – that, the NBA is just all up in it. I, I think – you remember what I said uh, a couple weeks ago? I think a couple of podcasts ago, I was like, you know, it, the NBA made uh, all these changes. They, they got – they had a labor agreement with a lot of, you know, the NBA is in the best position they could be in. As soon as I said that statement, boy, the NBA has just been in mess uh, over some craziness uh, here lately. But here where it gets even more deep, this is some godfather-type uh, level stuff. So, Jeannie Buss, everybody knows. Uh, yeah. You know, she's, she's the one who's been entrusted to run the organization, made a good move. Got Magic. Magic hires a guy we know, you know, Rob Lincoln, you know, former Michigan guy, smart, thought it was right. a great move, former agent, almost in the uh, uh, in the Golden State realm with, with their manager who was a former agent. In this day and age, get somebody who understands, you know, he's, he's educated, uh, got his MBA from uh, Michigan, uh, 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 the business school there. Uh, this guy is, you know, got a great reputation, Kobe's uh, agent as well as others. I mean, this guy is good. So you got a couple good moves. They're making some moves in terms of uh, moving Lou Williams, um, allowing for these younger cats to play. Like, every move that's been made since Magic has been on, it's been a good move, I think, recently. So then we find out, we get some court documents, that the older Butts brothers uh, are trying to run a little cool on her, trying to push her out to get the power. Got mad that younger sis flexed. Now, this is the guy, just Butts is the guy, that when she had interest in trying to bring Phil back, he he undermined that. So he was already throwing some salt in the game, but she was like, hey, I'm going to give you a, a chance. You and Mitch Cup check. Things were working out. She made a move, and ever since she made a move, things have been working. But these cats trying to run the end run on them, trying to come out the back door, get the votes, you know, trying to come around uh, underneath her. What is going on in L.A.? You got You got a cat that is, you know, in power because his daddy allowed him to be in power. Don't know how to react to it, and then come out here doing. When you heard about this, man, what were you thinking about? Well, you know what? I had to read into it a little bit, D, because you know the first thing that uh, I, I read about was Jeannie Buss. Um, you know that 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 she wasn't letting her brothers do some things, and so it sounded like they had put a lot of it on her. The media did. All right, then. 
there was this big story. I don't know if you if you heard the whole Dan Lebertard thing. Uh, was was made made some foul comments about you know uh, Maggie Johnson not being qualified to be the GM. Okay, so the media kind of kind of painted Jeannie Buss into this corner of you know playing you know a little bit of you know favoritism and not knowing what she was doing. And so, and I don't know if that was a plant by the brothers now or not. So, you know, I'm not surprised by that. The bus, the the, the bus empire is huge. Okay, Dr. Jerry Bus is huge. The whole Laker, that's a huge, huge conglomerate there. Now, to her defense, Mitch Kupchak should have been fired a long damn time ago. Okay? What Mitch Kupchak did with that team was abysmal. The time he spent, the things that was going on, it was, it was terrible. All right, he he. I, that's one GM I thought that overstayed his welcome. So to get rid of him, I thought on her part was 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 bravo as far as I'm concerned. To bring Magic Johnson back, I think for most of us would have been like, okay, let me see what you learned out here in the private sector. You know, Magic has really done has uh, really done a fine uh, job for himself and since he's left the NBA. He's become a very you know successful and wealthy businessman. Okay, but he also, if you hear him talk now, you know, he has a very good eye uh, and mindset on what players are doing. And now you see some of the moves that he has made uh, recently that you just mentioned. It looks like it's a good move for the Lakers. I'm not surprised, okay? If I got my face cracked by my little sister or by my sister in a business that I'm supposed to run, you know, and I and I was, you know, part of all that, you know, I don't think I would do it, but you know, I'm not in that in that role. But we see it all the time in corporate America, do we not? Where you see where one entity gets removed by another one, and now they're going to try to get their power back come hell or high water. That doesn't surprise me much. What surprised me was the fact that it was Jeannie Buss that you just mentioned was trying to make some real positive and realistic moves to move the Lakers forward. And they were, you know, stopped or thwarted by her brothers. But now you see that she's made some moves, and now they're still trying to thwart it. That doesn't surprise me. I think what happens right now for the L.A. Laker fan that's really in-depth, you know, stay tuned. It's not over yet. It's going to end up in court somewhere. Yeah, man. And, uh, this is some stuff like Empire. Like, I'm waiting for Cookie to jump out, you know, you or something's going on. You know? <laughs> You know, you know that kind of. You know, I can imagine a scene like that when they they put all the votes against Lucius or something. You know, you know this is this yeah. is where we at right now with the Lakers. You know, they they, right. they must see TV uh, when right. it, when it comes to this kind of stuff. They they are they are they are they are on uh, on on top of it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna take uh, you know just a short here kind of music break here. When we come back, we're gonna talk about what is known as the T-shirt Olympics. The NFL Combine.
Hi, this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Whoop All right, welcome back to One Mike's Real RSG's One Mike. Uh, again, our, our, our show tonight is brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to CarbonWorldHealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the Real, the real Sports guys sent you. Yeah, I got 25 pounds with the folks over at Carbon World Health. Shout out to everybody over there. It's been an amazing kind of journey. Uh, we got some stuff we're going to announce this later this week. You know, I'm trying to get my game back, knock down these long J's so I can start talking a little bit more. Uh, it's been good, but it's like it's like great having like partnerships like that. We're going to build on it. I've got a great announcement coming out here pretty soon about that. Um, speaking of getting yourself in shape, getting ready, this time of year, we spend a lot of time talking about what I call the T-shirt Olympics, the NFL combines. Hank, I know, you know, we sit around and talk a lot of stuff. I know you you are, you are somebody, you have a very strong analytical mind. You try to put these pieces together. You like information. But you're also this guy that, like, you, got, you like the eyeball test. You're like, I watch this guy play. I think he can play. <laughs> and you look at that. So I think you always have a healthy balance around these things. What true value do you put into the NFL combine? Well, let me first by, uh, preface this by saying that bravo to the NFL network for bringing the combine to the uh, to, to the geeks like me that 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 like watching that stuff. Um, what I what I gather from it is you get a chance to see what these athletes really look like. Okay, and I think that what you want to be able to do is make sure that a they're good football players. But, B, what kind of athletes are they? You know, and I say that because, you know, when you in, in the college football, D, what happens a lot of times is we, we see these guys, we see them play every Saturday, but we really don't know, you know, what they're capable of because they're either in systems or they've got some real stubborn coaching and they're just going to play them a certain way. This gives, you know, the average fan and fans and coaching staffs to see what else can these guys do. Well, what kind of athletes am, am I am I going to invest in? I think that's very important. You know, when you look at because what happens a lot of times with quarterbacks, you you have a lot of this, different systems that run in the college game. Okay, you got the spread offense, you got pro style, you got the option, you got you got the run and shoot, you got all these different type of things that they like to run in college. And these kids are sometimes, or these young men, should I say, you know, they're pigeonholed into these systems. This gives the NFL an opportunity to see, can you do anything else? Are you just really stuck into this, or are you really just stuck into that? Let me see what your, let me, let me see what your basics are. Let me see what your intangibles are. And I think for that alone, I think it, uh, it, it, it helps a lot of these, these, these players. You know, John Ross, you know, a lot of people don't even know who John Ross was if it wasn't for yesterday. Okay, John Ross, a wide receiver for uh, the University of Washington. You know, set a record running a four-two-two forty. Okay, just blazed down the, down the field. You know, that might help this young man. He may not have gotten drafted otherwise. He may have, but it might help this draft stop because he's a speed merchant. All right, now you're talking about somebody you can use on special teams and kickoffs and that sort of thing. All right, you see some of these uh, defensive ends has got good speed. You see some of these tight ends has got great vertical. Okay, you got these coaches now that say, I can use him here. I can use him there. 
So I think it makes a lot of sense. And then for those uh, lesser-known players that don't play for the Power Five and they go to the Combine, now you start to see what kind of athlete they are. All right? And you got to first find out, do you have an athlete before you find out you got a football player? Now, for the football players, you got to see, you got to keep their tape in mind, too. You can't get enamored with one or the other. You must maintain a balance, in my opinion. And sometimes I think the combine goes too far. And I think sometimes the tape uh, on what they do and the competition in which they do it in don't go far enough. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and, and for people to understand some of the history, I mean, uh, in the late – 70s, early 80s, it was really the Dallas Cowboys under Tex uh, Schramm um, who started to bring in data, uh, computers, technology, in a sense, as part of their evaluation. He was one of the folks who actually pushed um, for having a combine annually. Um, And so the Cowboys were like this cutting-edge kind of group. It's kind of hard to say. You think about um, their run up until recently um, and the way they did with draft picks. But he was the one who felt like there needed to be this uh, much more in-depth uh, evaluation period. And um, and I think you're right. And I think kind of hits on top of my second point around this is, like, you know, how do you use a draft? I think one of the things in, in, in this big analytics stage, I mean, I think one of the things that people forget, and I'm going to get a little geekish on this in the sense that most of this data that people are used uh, allow you to get, uh, so to speak, into the stadium. But they don't actually allow you to get to, let's say, we got inside a park coming up to home plate. And you have to mm-hmm. use both quantitative and qualitative data to really understand things. And I think what's, what's been kind of crazy about analytics, um, uh, and even the GM, I can't remember his name, for, for Houston Rockets talks like this. He's like the big analytics person. He even talks about this, is that you have, to, you have to also bring in other information, both qualitative and quantitative, to understand who you're getting. And I think so many people make so many decisions about some of this quantitative data that isn't, that it, it's 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 getting you close, but its accuracy isn't a hundred percent. There's there's error always in it. There's always something other variables that you can't you can't attribute to. And so I think where where people make mistakes like like Cleveland saying they're going to use straight analytics, you know, um, it'll get you it'll get you there. But at, at a sense, you also got to get a sense for difference makers, and some of that stuff you get through the qualitative interviews. And that's one of the problems that I have with them not allowing uh, uh, people like Mixon or somebody to come. When you have somebody who's had issue, the place, the, the hardest place for them to be is in a place like Combine where they know they're going to be drilled by those questions hour after hour. In some ways, you actually feed into what's best for them because it's not like he's not going to get drafted. You know, he's not, you haven't damaged him enough to go from first round to fifth round where he's losing that much money, he's going to get drafted. And so what you've done is, in some ways, hurt the one thing, putting him under a microscope and reinforcing why what he did was not appropriate. But Because those folks are going to be drilling him. And when you take him out of that element, I don't have a good sense of who you are. Because at some point, he's going to, unless you're going to say he can't play in the NFL, he's going to be part of your product line. He's going to be part of your system. And what you don't want him to be is somebody who's a negative part. And so the qualitative piece is as important as the quantitative. And I think a lot of GMs, you know, we heard we hear about these guys who are like these combine warriors, these folks who, you know, come in and do these amazing, um, you know, tests and they do all this stuff and they shoot up the, the, the uh, uh, up the chart, you know, before you know it, you know, some of these cats have been picked in the top five 
uh, just based on their performance at the combine. And people are forgetting, as you said, tape. At the end of the day, what happens when you put your hand on the on the ground? What happens when the lights come on? And, you know, that's where I think with Deshaun Watson, people are losing it. You only have to look at two sets of film for Deshaun Watson. He played Alabama twice. Alabama is the closest to a NFL defense in scheme. Like, just start with scheme. The reason why uh, Saban is very successful is he, he basically runs an NFL scheme, and most college quarterbacks don't have the patience development to throw against NFL defenses. If you look at what Deshaun Watson did against Alabama twice in, at, in the most critical high-profile games, that should tell you something about who he is as a player. Like, don't lose sight. Don't get caught up with uh, uh, other quarterbacks' hands and other people. <laughs> the film, the eye and sky, you know, for those who play football, the eye and sky doesn't lie. And if you don't look at any of the film with Deshaun Watson, he played against Alabama twice who plays an NFL-level defense of, of game plan. And he looked effective against them twice. Like, you, you could talk about all the other games he played, but in those two games, he came to play. And so, again, right. I think that's a great example of people getting so caught up with the numbers and the analytics and forgetting how good players have played on the field in, in game pressure situations. So I think you hit it all, all – uh, you hit it in, in, in the best route. You need to gather as much information as you can. Uh, but if you were thinking about what, what mistake do you think most GMs make, when you watch it, you know, you, 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 you've been a Lions fan, so you see GMs <laughs> make a lot of mistakes. So, so what mistakes do they make? Here, here, here's what they do, okay? They, they, they weigh one more than the other, okay? And sometimes they weigh, they weigh uh, reputation more than something else. One example. Okay, then some of them just try to be too smart, D. So you go to the combine, all right, and you see that this guy has lifted 225 pounds 25 times. Oh, so he's a gym rat, okay? You see he's got this vertical. You see that he's got this 40, okay? He's a linebacker, all right? I'm going to draft him because he had an amazing combine. Okay, but where did he play? He played at Wofford. All right, he had nobody to go against him, and then he was being dominated on the field because his technique sucked. All right, this is what I'm talking about. We can teach him. No, you can't teach him because he's not teachable. All right, he's a he's he's an athlete that walked on at Walford and played for four years. You did you didn't do your homework. All right, so he's a gym rat. None of those factors into playing NFL. All right, when you get out there and try to show him uh, technique and stuff, he's falling all over himself, and he ain't smart. He ain't smart enough to pick up your scheme. That's what they have to do. That's where they make a lot of mistakes. They fall in love with the athlete, or they fall in love with the tape against lesser opponents. You made a valid point about Deshaun Watson. Okay, what teams that you play against that is most NFL have more NFL capable players on them? Okay, going against some guys that are rated very high. You know, and how you grade these guys as far as athleticism, as far as football IQ, as far as able to pick up techniques and schemes and all those different things. It's like a job interview, okay? If you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a – you got to know the instruments, okay? you got to know when to use this, when to use it. What is your football IQ? Don't come giving me some doggone wonderlick that ain't got nothing to do with playing football. 
you know, this is what I'm saying. These are things you have to do. You have to look at, okay, I see this here. Okay, how, how do you prepare to play? All right, all of these different things. And, and what happens a lot of times is you can find diamonds in the rough if you do your homework. Okay, where this combine really comes into play is, okay, I'm in the sixth round. I'm in the seventh round. I'm at the end of my draft board. All right, I need to get some athletes some out here, some guys that maybe I have to make an end into a linebacker or a linebacker into an end or a wide receiver into a safety or a quarterback into a running back. So I need to try to find me some uh, um, some athletes on that end, but I still need to make sure that they can pick up scheme and they got certain techniques that I can work with. Okay, he didn't run that fast, but I can see he's got a great football IQ. I'm in my late rounds. Okay, he can get to a spot because he's got good football instincts. That's how all that works out. Okay, so that's where I think a lot of them make a mistake. They they don't weigh the they don't they get lazy. D. They don't do the the three or four components they need to do to make sure that their draft board is as sound as they can be. That's why you see play, uh, teams like New England. They do that. They do that extremely well. And that's why you see the Julian Edelmans and all these other kind of players that fit their scheme because they're looking for a particular type of player, and they go and grab that player every year. I do want to speak on something, though, that you, that you brought up about these players not making it to the combine. It's got a criminal record. Well, like, while I agree with a lot of what you said, you also have to look at that citizen of that, of the, that kid. All right, you're going and doing stuff that you, that's going to put you behind the eight ball with the law. Now, that's no different than you or me trying to go get a job interview somewhere, trying to improve our livelihood, and somebody look on my record and say, oh, shoot, you over here knocking women upside the head. I got that on film. I don't need you here. If you come to my company, you're going to have to do something else. I'm not bringing you in here like that. Okay? These are the, resp- these are the decisions these young men made. Now, when they, when they get to these schools, these coaches and these and these. Athletic department needs to say, you need to watch yourself because this could hurt you later on down the road, okay? And just saying, I'm sorry, no, there's going to be a consequence to that. Now, you could say they're going to be drilled, yeah, a team might take a flyer on them, but they have to understand that if I'm going to take a flyer on this kid, i got to understand that this kid has got on his record doing something that's unsavory that could get this entire, uh, that can get this, this entire franchise in trouble. So I'm going to go to his pro day. He got to set that up or something else, and then I want to talk to him one-on-one. It might be a more of a benefit to the kid, but, no, I don't think they get the right to sit out there and let every team in the NFL see them on that. That's an invitation. You know, there's some consequences so, to your action. So, 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 my, so my lesson with that, there's consequences. If that happens, you're not getting a job at IBM, right? No. I mean, if, if they see that, they look at This is more of an NFL PR move. Mixon's draft stock isn't going to drop. You know, it, it, there's no consequence to him because they're still going to pay him. It, the only only benefit to this is in this case. For the kid who's at Northern Illinois or, or, or whatever, there is a consequence. For But for these high-profile people like Mixon, there's no consequence, meaning that if you can play, they're going to draft you. There's nothing about his situation that's not going to stop him from getting drafted. So what I was trying to figure out is what's the consequence to him when most strategies – there's a reason why how many quarterbacks, top quarterbacks, don't throw at the combines? Right. So many right. of them don't throw. Because mm-hmm. what they do is they dictate what you're going to see. So they're going to have you at the pro day seeing what they want to do, what they want to see. They're going to set the interviews up in their, in their environment. And so 
there's there's some people who don't want to go to combine because that's a most times that's a benefit. You can't you can't record something. I get to set up how you record it. I get to set up how you see it. So I think this is where the NFL is different than most other work situations because there's nothing in this that's going to keep. The only people who hurt by this are the people who actually have to pick it. He's not going to be hurt. He, he'll if he's probably going to get drafted pretty much in the five to six space range where he probably would have been drafted. So. So for him, he's home, but there's no consequence to him. And so I think I'm, I agree with you on consequence. There should be a consequence. The consequence might be you got to sit out another year. You're not going to be drafted. That to me, that's a consequence. Meaning that even though you're right. eligible to be drafted, you, you're not. Gonna, we're not going to allow you to be drafted until a year after you your class comes into the NFL. That's a consequence. That means you got a right. year of lost wages and you're not on sale. Now if they decide to do right. that, I'm all for it. Right. But in that current scenario, the only people, yeah, the only people benefit is NFL because now they don't have to, they don't have to explain anything. They, it's their TV show; they can control what that environment's like. They don't have to get all these extra questions. So all this is for the NFL's benefit. It's not for the cause of domestic violence. It's not for the cause. And as somebody who who is really who fights for these issues on a regular day, on a regular basis, you trying to play me because you're not serious about this. If you're really serious, what you could say is. You cannot be eligible to come into the NFL until a year after your class enters. If you get called, now that's a, now that's consequence. That's that costing I agree money, with. check, and no film. Right. So if we're gonna be yeah. real about it, let's be real about it. That's the one thing I'm I'm saying about it. But I think you make a great point about these young men need to be accountable for it. I, I, I'm not finding consequence. Only consequences to to some, like you said, somebody who's coming from a smaller college, unwell known. There is a consequence to them. Because they need a combine to be seen, but the people who are most high profile, where these things are seen, the Jameis Winston's of the world, these folks of the world, they're the most, they're the most high profile where these conversations are happening, and, and those people aren't necessarily going to be affected by uh, the league's policy. So You're absolutely my, my, right. My, my, Let me also add to this too: is that you know the, the NFL did, did not want that nightmare. Okay, if you would have yeah. had Mixon come to the combine, that's pretty much all anybody would have been talking about. The question would have been, how would you allow this NFL, knowing what your reputation is in dealing with domestic violence and or your lack of dealing with domestic violence? So, yeah, that was a thanks but no thanks on their end, okay, to just keep that quiet and the focus on the flares is there. I agree with you 100%. I also agree with, listen, yeah, there, there needs to be a consequence. But, yeah, I think more so it was more of a PR move than anything else. Yeah, and that's that's my only challenge. I, I'm all for leagues making a statement. Uh, I'm all for them um, uh, letting folks know what the standard is when you're coming into this. I'm all for that, but be real about it. I mean, and like I said, a real consequence to these kids would be if if this is happening, and and, and I think the rule is that you actually is prosecution or there's real evidence of you you have done this. Then say they can't come into a year after their class enters. Then you you know you take away the opportunity to have film to like improve their position, and you take away a year's salary. If a team wants to right. draft them, they can draft them at that point. Like if you really want to have an impact and change behavior, that's the way I would go about doing it. Yep. The time has come. You know, y'all been a while. It's been a while since we were with you. You know, um, and I'm even going to join my guy. For you know, it's legendary. It's known throughout the industry. It's inside a park with Hank, but now I'm going to join him on the other side. Here we go. Steve! Steve! 
right. Changes. 
okay, in some in some what mm-hmm. I would call traditional rules, you know. And uh, the the one that really grinds me is they, they, they and you can uh, talk about the other ones that they're talking about now. But now they've gone with and they've approved the fact where uh, the intentional walk no longer requires uh, four pitches. It's just a we're going to walk this guy. Okay, then they're also talking about a time limit to when the a manager can come out and talk to their pitcher. So let me let me just ask you about that and others. That uh, what, what's your take on those? You know, I, it, 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 so initially because I watched that, and it, it, there are times when I watch baseball, I'm like, well, if this is going to happen, why don't you just let him walk down? And so I, in some ways, I agree with if you're going to intentionally walk, just send advance the person to first base. But then you always think, well, how many times have they messed that up? And somebody was on third base. You know, somebody just the ball slips out and uh, somebody makes a mistake and then, you know, you're able to make a, a run home because, you know, a, a blooper where, you know, something looks like intentional, you know, catcher bobbles it and uh, there's an opportunity to steal home on that. You know, I, it, it, you know, I don't – that part I don't know, but I, I think it's one of those things I've always wondered, why don't you just advance? And so – I don't have as much of a problem with it um, if you've done the analysis on it. Like, you know, there aren't many times where, you know, something happens that could create an offensive opportunity um, out of that motion. And I think they probably looked at it. So I have a, probably the least amount. It, it, there's some symbolic symbolism to it that I think probably people who are more baseball traditionists approach. When you say that, 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 that arm go out by the catcher, um, it's just something with that. And, you know, you see the you see the uh, the batter. You know, back in the day, Reggie Jackson or somebody like looking, shaking his head, like, okay, you don't want to come at me. Um, but other than that, if it, if it can can get things moving along, I'm not sure how much it's going to speed up the game. Um, and, and there's no evidence of that. But it seems like something that if you're intending to do it, you should just go ahead and do it. And you know, say most of people understand the the idea of having to go through four pitches. That's where I fit. So now um, here we go. Go ahead. I think the the, the other thing was like, and I don't know how you think they're, they're talking about adjustment on the strike zone. Um, yeah. And trying to get more consistent about that. And for me, I thought for me, that's where technology can come in hand. I, I don't know why you're messing with the strike zone in a way where you know, if in tennis we can, um, they can make calls or, or see things like even a replay or whatever. Um, using digital kinds of stuff. I, I don't know why they're having so much issue in the strike zone. And, and also I think that judgment piece is what makes sports in- interesting. I Like we can't just either technology out or whatever, take some of that stuff out. I mean, it, it, I think that's part of the game to adjust to um, your umpire, right? You get a sense you adjust to the – it's like in basketball, you adjust to the referee – you know they call it a little bit tighter, so you know by the second quarter to 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 like adjust your game because you get a sense of how the game is going to be called. So I think there's a and sometimes in areas like that, I think there's too much micromanaging uh, around that. And particularly if there's an issue, then I think that's where technology should be able to help you um, to like clarify if somebody wants to challenge something. But uh, I, I don't, I'm not quite understanding uh, the 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 lowering of the strike zone by I think what is it uh, two inches or whatever. Um, in the zone or raising it, the uh, zone by two inches or whatever it is, I don't know. I don't know how effective that is. I do like the idea of giving earpiece to the, to the umps. I like that to help communication to keep the. They don't necessarily have to all huddle up. So I think there's some things around technology that they're doing that I think are very important. 
see, let me let me tell you something. See, for me, and see, I got much love for the game of baseball. The game of baseball as it's played at the pro level. You know, they do some things differently because they are professional athletes and they make them they, they used to make them accountable for everything that went on on the field. All right. Now I kind of feel like baseball is going the way of your your Friday after night that Friday afternoon softball league. You know, where you play seven innings, you get two strikes, three balls. Okay, everybody, if you're gonna walk a guy, just walk him. And we got to hurry up and get this game done in an hour and fifteen minutes. What is the hurry, baseball? Tell me what the hurry is. Where you gotta be? Why is it that you got to hurry up that moves things around where you're killing traditions? Let me go back, Dina. I'm, I'm, yep, I'm about to fire. I'm about to go off now. So prepare yourself. Get your popcorn ready. Help me understand this. Okay, we have had in the history of baseball where you had the four pitches where the pitcher either throws the ball away or he gets too close to the strike zone. Okay, how long does it take to throw four pitches? Like you said, how come it's what, what's going on that you got to hurry up and make this go on? All right, there. What that does is it takes the the game is now uh, defensively is now leaning towards the defense, where when that pitcher had to throw four pitches, it was balanced. Anything can happen. You always want to keep some intrigue in the game. If you got two men on, okay, or and, and I don't want to walk your best hitter. I'm going to walk the bases loaded. But the winning run is on third, okay? Anything can happen in that. But you take that away because i got to hurry up and be somewhere. In, in, in 13 seconds, it's going to take you, or 42 seconds, it's going to take for you to throw four pitches. It drives me crazy, okay? It's another one of those things, one of those little uh, idiosyncrasies in baseball that makes baseball baseball. Now, the strike zone doesn't bother me too much. They're kind of going back to the future, uh, D., because the strike zone traditionally was above the letters on the jersey and just below the knees. So if they're going back to the traditional strike zone, fine. What's that saying to the, to the umpires? Like, now you got a little bit of a strike zone hitters. You got another one. The reason why they went away from that was because then you made it a pitcher's league. And you had some of the greatest pitchers in the game come through, and the strike zone was like that, going back to the late 60s and the early 70s. So now they're trying to do that, try to, to speed the game up, or, you know, or to try to make me more consistent on the strike zone. But this whole thing about you've only got 30 seconds now to, uh, for, for, the, for the manager to go out to, to, the, to the mound. Hell, every other sport, when they, go to, when they go to a timeout, they go to a commercial break. They go to a commercial break. They're gone for two, three minutes. A 30-second timeout is 90 seconds, depending upon how long that the commercial is. But baseball is in such a hurry. And I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to cater to to right now. How about to, to to the generation right now? How about this? How about teaching them the game? How about putting the, bringing the game back like it used to be? You know, when I grew up, when we played. Okay, understand the strategies of the game. Oh no, everybody on their phones and all this other kind of stuff. The game is too slow. Baseball is one of the most exciting games to play. Now, is it up and down like basketball? Of course not. Is it, is, it, is, it, is it football? Of course not. But it has its own niche. I'm having a real hard time. They're, they're taking things away from baseball, in my opinion, that makes the game exciting. Now, we're talking about the four-pitch walk. Maybe that's not so much, but they took away the play at the plate with the catchers because they claimed that uh, catcher safety. But they're wussifying a game. And this is one of the issues that you cannot do with baseball. You, I don't, you don't make Major League Baseball 
Friday night softball league of seven innings. And that's what I'm concerned with, see. And I can understand some of the technology, but it's trying to get to the point where we're trying to co- compete with the other sports too much, and you take away from what makes the sport so unique. So there's my there there, there there's my rant. You can come back on now. <laughs> I, I love you, and, 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 and I'm gonna add this, and then I'm gonna move off to the side because after you are you are hot. You like you like uh, you like uh, old school Andrew Tony uh, going off on Boston. Uh, you hit you you hit it you hit it hard uh, on a Sunday afternoon, but I, what, what I think you shouldn't have really. So I went to watch a baseball game, uh, I think a couple of years ago with uh, a colleague of mine uh, who's been on the air with us uh, on our show before, uh, Dr. Damon Williams, and he took a couple of us right before he was leaving uh, to go on a new job. So we all went to watch a game uh, uh, in Milwaukee, and it reminded me baseball. Were, so this is why I, I agree with you because I think sometimes our, our, our response is to conform rather than we know the power of reflection and, 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 and slowing down. And when I was at the baseball game, it felt weird because I felt like I shouldn't be hanging back and enjoying myself like this. Like the game uh, unfolds. It was a great experience. We were probably uh, right off the uh, – uh, 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 not too far off a of home plate. We were pretty much down there, and it was one of the best experiences. We both commented like, "I can't believe like you, you you're kind of taking a breath a breath from life. You're not it, you're not in a hurry. Uh, it wasn't a, a bad pace at all. It was easy to get in and out of the ballpark. Uh, but it reminds you need to slow down. And and I think that baseball could play a role. Baseball could. I think baseball's biggest challenge is help it bring a, a better in-game experience, continue to work on that in a way that educates fans on what's going on. I think there's a lot of stuff they could do with in-game and in-stadium experiences. To I think a lot of people have done it to really uh, bring that energy to it. Um, but it is a place that can remind us that we do need to slow down. And so I, I'm a little bit nervous with them doing speeding up everything um, in, in a sense that uh, it is a space that can, can teach some life lessons. And so I, I really enjoy going to baseball games, slowing down, realizing that I don't have to be hurry up to the next thing. Um, and I think that's an experience that we could kind of threaten. Um, and it didn't take away from my experience at all. You know what? I, you, it, it, it doesn't. If you, if you go to a game, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful experience. But there's a lot of things in baseball that still requires the human element. Now there's some things they've done and that that I that I applaud. I applaud the instant replay on plays at, at, at on on the bases and on making sure something is a catch or something like that. Those I those I don't have an issue with. But balls and strikes don't fool with that. Okay, you like you said you have to adjust to the to the umpire. I feel like you need to keep that. I think you need to keep the fact that you have the four pitch ball. Why? Because you got to throw four balls. Anything can happen. You can strategize. If that pitcher is struggling, okay, and you got to walk and you want to walk your best hitter, you just took the pitcher off the hook, okay? That's yeah. an advantage. You don't do that. See, these are things that baseball, and I understand what they're trying to do, but there's other things they can do, okay? Go back to your history a little bit of what made the game great. Bring some of those elements back, you know? You want to expand the league, go to where fans, you know, appreciate the game. You know, put a team back in Montreal. 
You know, we had Jonah Carey on the show several years, a couple of years ago, and we talked about that the, the fans of, of Montreal still being disappointed about not having a team up there. Put a team back in Brooklyn, New York. You know, the way where baseball started. You know, bring back some of the things that where you know the fans will appreciate the game. Quit trying to expand out here where nobody cares, where where they got other things to do, where the game can be appreciated, where the game can grow, where the game can flourish. There's a whole lot of things baseball can do. You ain't got to speed up and try to compete. Football is football. It's got its niche. You know, a basketball is basketball. It's got its niche. You don't see basketball doing a whole lot of crazy stuff. To try to try to compete with the other sports, it's got what it's got. If you ask me, basketball could go back to doing what it did in the in the late '80s and early '90s when it was in its heyday. But that's another story for another time. We're talking baseball. But listen, on the, on the brief time we got right now, I want to let you guys know right now that uh, uh, we'll be back with some more of the of inside the park. We just getting started, and so for right now, we we are, we're going to, we're going to close the bleachers and get back to. One mic.
W I L S D Wills uh, on uh, Twitter. If you want to talk, we got a lot of stuff. I got my guy Gerard Briggs, a whole bunch of guys, who, who people who've been on here um, on air, so we get the we get the energy going. But I want to close it out uh, with my guy Hank. Uh, Hank, you know, hey man, it's, it's been quite a run with us uh, with one mic. We're gonna keep this going. I hope you, I hope you enjoying yourself. You know, I always do. It's always a good time. It's always good to have a minute to talk a little bit about sports, get away from everything, and really get loose on what we're very passionate about. You know, we, we you know, there's enough that's going on in the world to have this opportunity to just be sit around here and just what I call fat mouthing about some good stuff. It's always a good thing. Thank you, brother. And and we hope that uh, those of you who listen, uh, just please let us know, um, chime in, give us feedback. We're continuing to grow. We, we we consider ourselves as as my guy Game Changer will say we we're the resistance. Um, uh, either catch the big show or catch one mic. Uh, we got uh, or catch our uh, 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 other podcast scenes that we have going. Uh, we got Hustle and Flow uh, with Sekou and Marcus. We got a lot of good stuff happening on this. We're gonna be pushing. Uh, stay tuned for our announcements that's gonna be happening later this week. Um, if you uh, want to hear some other stuff that we're gonna be dropping. Um, it's been good, man, and uh, stay positive. As Hank said, this world is a crazy, crazy place, but, uh, you know, sensible people uh, can make uh, uh, turn madness into something positive. And uh, Amen. hopefully we can all do that one step at a time, and uh, it's always good. Uh, stick with the movement. Uh, we'll see you next time. That's it for the Real Sports Guys. This thing right here is for my people's industry. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start to show this one mic. Here we There is a pause. Throughout the stadium, as the man sounds like he just coughed up a lung. They're looking around. The jumbotron shows and pans the cheerleaders, and as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter, which at this particular time destroys half the stadium. The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. Does this guy need? Uh, CPR or something And then at that particular time I lost it <laughs> Devon Brothers Yes, yes, yes Today Phoenix is another place They got a great uh, training staff I mean they, they were able to breathe life back into Shaq And you can do that you know, People talk a lot about their <laughs> training staff Yes, yes, today you know, as we start this show, this one mic. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.